Well, I tell you, it's good to be here tonight, ain't it? Always good to be in the house of the Lord. We uh, had to go over my son. He was preaching at a meeting over in Tennessee, and uh, my brother-in-law, he passed away, and we had some funeral last week, and then Friday I had to leave and go down to the Gulf and had a wedding down there. I feel like I'm pastoring again, amen. And, uh, but we had a good time, but it's good to be back, and uh, good to see y'all here, this good crowd. And uh, got your Bible, if you would, turn with us to Isaiah chapter number 54. That's probably right dead in the middle of your Bible somewhere. Isaiah chapter number 54. I'm a little tired tonight, so I, I probably ain't going to be very long tonight. son used to say that, I'd say, man, we're in for it now. <laughs> Got your place, say amen. Isaiah 54, drop down at verse number 7. We'll just read a couple verses there. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hide my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will, uh, will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. Let us pray. Now, Lord, we sure thank you once again for this opportunity to come and proclaim your word tonight, and I thank you that your word is true, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, simply meaning to mean that it cuts coming and going. And I pray you'd bless your word tonight, bless your people tonight. Help me that I could be a mouthpiece for you, Lord. I pray you'd help the people here that's gathered. Lord, I know they could have stayed home, but they rather chose to come worship a little while and fellowship in your word. And so I pray they can leave and say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Lord, it sure would be nice to see somebody saved tonight. I pray, God, that you'd go up and down every seat tonight, knock on doors. I pray that you'd do them like you done me, convince them that your way is the best way. I pray, Lord, that conviction would fall on them, and, Lord, they wouldn't be able to leave this place till they accept you as their Lord and Savior. Forgive us now where we failed you, Lord. We'll surely thank you. And, Lord, we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. All right, as we look into this tonight, I want to get a maybe a title for the message out of what was said in these scriptures here, Why God Sometimes Hides His Face. Why God Sometimes Hides His Face. Uh have you ever been in the place in your life that you thought that that God had done left you and forsaken you and, and seems like you're all by yourself and seems like when you pray it hits the roof and falls back down and seems like you just can't get nothing done uh, 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 spiritually? Uh, feel like maybe God is hiding his face from you and that's the way it was here. Uh, uh, it, with Isaiah and his day, uh, 
where the Lord said that he would hide his face. Uh, and I tell you, boy, that's a sad time in your life when the Lord hides his face. Uh, along, may I say, also a good time in your life uh, uh, when he comes back. Notice what he said in verse 7. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. Well, I tell you, it's good uh, whenever he gathers you back in like an eagle does uh, uh, with its little chicks. Uh, and by the way, before I get started here, I would like to say that Lord willing, the Lord willing, we'll start the Eagle series next Wednesday night. Amen. And so uh, you help me pray about that and pray that we can get that thing started up. And uh, I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe you'll enjoy it. Uh, I know I did. And so uh, uh, you help me pray about that. All right. Why God sometimes hides his face. Now, we find that uh, in the beginning in Genesis there uh, where that God hid his face from Cain. Uh, uh, of course, we know who Cain is. Uh, he was a murderer. He killed his uh, he killed his brother, uh, and God hid his face from him. Uh, now, in Deuteronomy, we'll just uh, give you some scriptures. He thought got it wrote down. I didn't write it down. And matter of fact, I I uh, I did have it here, brother, but I forgot to give it to you. But anyhow, y'all just have to go off of me tonight. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 17 and verse 18. I'll not go and read them, but you'll find in that verse, if you want to write it down, uh, I will hide my face from thee. I will hide my face from thee. And then he said uh, in chapter 32, verse 20, talking about the Israelites here, uh, and maybe uh, just set a porch for that, uh, we find these Israelites uh, uh, they, uh, uh, God had come to Moses and told Moses his days uh, were about up uh, and that uh, the Israelites was going to forsake God. And so we find here in uh, chapter 31, uh, he's telling Moses uh, uh, what's going on and all. And then in chapter number 32, we find the same words are quoted, uh, I will hide my face uh, from thee. Now, there's a lot of reasons why sometimes God will hide his face, but in this particular instance here, uh, it's because the Israelites uh, uh, were forsaking God. Ain't it amazing how when God's blessing you, uh, I mean, you love him, you praise him, I mean, you're faithful to him, uh, and then it just seems like as time takes its toll, uh, you begin to just sort of ease away from God. Uh, and uh, we can see that back uh, with, uh, with when they hit them towers up there. I've never seen the United States get in a prayerful mood like they were. Uh, I mean, boy, it was on the news everywhere. Uh, uh, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray, let's get together. Uh, and I'm a thinking, man, revival's breaking out. But look at it now. I mean, a few years after that, a few years after we begin to forget the mercies of God and forget the blessings of God, we begin to get back in our same old routine. And that's what America has done. And matter of fact, I believe she's a little worse now than she was back then. Uh, with all that's going on, and I'll not get in all that, but that's another message in another day. Job 13, we find here in verse number 24, Wherefore hideth thy face from me? 
Job. You know Job well. Uh, he's the fellow that uh, he was the uh, richest in the east. I mean, had plenty of money, plenty of animals, good family, uh, loved the Lord. And the Bible said he was perfect in all his ways. Now, that word perfect there uh, doesn't mean he didn't make mistakes. Uh, it just simply means he was matured in the Lord, uh, and he loved the Lord. And uh, we find that... Uh, that, uh, of course, the devil and uh, God got in a, a little heated argument, and, and God tells the devil, well, what about my servant Job? Y'all know the story. And uh, so the devil begins picking on Job, begins killing his youngins, uh, begins taking his livestock, uh, and uh, makes him a pauper. Make him, uh, uh, listen, uh, where he didn't have anything. Uh, if it was in our day, it would be a bankrupt man. Uh, and so we find, uh, uh, as the situation goes down through there in chapter 13, verse 24, uh, uh, Job asked God, Wherefore hidest thy face? Uh, here Job is, he's faithful, uh, he loves the Lord, he's doing right, uh, and all the respect of God. And uh, so he asked God, what have I done? Uh, why are you hiding your face from me? Uh, and what we need to understand tonight uh, is anytime God does that, he's got a reason. Job didn't understand it as well as I wouldn't have understood it. Uh, Job took it better than I would have probably took it. Uh, uh, but uh, you can be assured uh, if God does it, it's right and it'll pay off. Uh, you go back and look, and you'll find out uh, that he had double of everything that he had. You said, well, he only had seven more youngins. Yeah, but he had seven in heaven. That's pretty much double, amen. And so he doubled up on everything that he had because he was still faithful to God. I want to say to you tonight, when it seems like you're at wit's end, you don't know which way to turn. seems like God has left you and forsaken you. Just tie another knot in the rope and hang on, friend, because God knows what he's doing. And uh, listen, if you'll stay with God, I'll tell you, you'll come out on top at the end. Now, now, Psalms, here it is with David, thir uh, Psalm 13, 1. How long will thou hide thy face from me? Here David is. Uh, he's in a bad shape here. Uh, how long, Lord, you going to hide your face from me? And then he goes down in uh, chapter 84 and verse 14. Why hidest thy face from me? Have you ever been there? You ever been like David and Job and some of these other men of old uh, where it seems like you've done everything right uh, and it just seems like everything's falling in your face? Uh, uh, listen, nothing's going right. Uh, everything seems like it's one of those old sour oranges. Uh, and matter of fact, uh, I had a missionary when I was pastoring in Florida and I had a a sour orange tree in my yard. Man, that thing would put out some of the most beautifulest oranges. Orange, I mean beautiful. And that missionary come up, uh, and he was uh, he was probably in his late 20s, I guess. Uh, and I was out doing some plumbing. I, I don't remember what had happened, but I was right beside that orange tree doing some plumbing. Uh, and he come over there, and he said, Pastor, he said, he said, can I have one of them pretty oranges? I said, help yourself. <laughs> I said, but I'm going to have to tell you, if you pick it, you eat it. Now, now we don't.
welcomed as many as you want, but if you pick it, you peel it, you eat it. I'm telling you, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my life. He he took that orange and and man, he began to peel it and and and, and got down to the orange itself. Uh, he ripped a piece of it off, stowed it in his mouth, and I'm telling you, his lips turned inside out. And I looked at him and I said, "Good, ain't it?" And he said, "Yeah." <laughs> I'm telling you, that sucker was sour. How I got on that, I don't know. I guess it was a commercial. But anyhow, God hid his face from all these men of old. May I say to you tonight, God hid his face uh, uh, from hell. And uh, and I'm glad that he does. I'm telling you, friend, uh, listen, hell is no place for you. If you're here tonight and you're lost without God, uh, you need to get right tonight. Man, this is the best time in the world to get right. Wednesday night, that's the night I got saved. I'm sort of fond of a Wednesday night service because that was the night I got saved. And if you're here lost without God, uh, listen, you're hell bound with a hammer down and don't even realize it. You need to get saved tonight. We'll have ushers up here. You come up here and you get right with God. Uh, You've got a chance. You've got a hope tonight. But you wait till death takes its place on you. And your hope is gone. Your chance is gone. God does not look on hell. Not only that, we find here that as we look at this, God turned his face from his own son when he hung on Calvary. You say, preacher, you mean God hid his face from from the Lord? He sure did. You see, God can't look on sin. When Jesus hung on Calvary, he had my sin. He had your sin and your sin and your sin. Uh, Listen, he was toting the sins of the world uh, on his shoulder. uh, And God can't look on sin. And God hid his face for a a while from the Lord. Uh, And may I say tonight, uh, I'm glad that the Lord took my sin. Uh, Listen, I wasn't worthy of him doing it, but I'm sure glad. Hey, does that not show you how much God loves you? Does that, hey, lost person tonight, does that not show you how much that Christ cares for you and wants you to be saved? Give his life and took on all the sins of the world on his shoulders. No wonder, no wonder his sweat was as blood drops when it come out. No wonder. He was in uh, such a shape that he was in. Your sin was on him, and my sin was on him. Now, now it's easy. Let me say this tonight, and just going through it. It's easy tonight to understand why that God hid his face from Cain. You, you, you agree with me? I mean, it, it, it's sort of understandable why God would hide his face from him. He was a murderer. I mean, listen, he was—he killed his brother, uh, 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 really, for no reason. I would say tonight, I could understand why God hid his face from David. I mean, David, look what he done, committed adultery, uh, uh, committed murder, married, uh, married Bathsheba, and, and all that circles around it. I could probably, for a little bit, understand why that God would hide his face uh, from David. But what about you tonight? Been living for the Lord, been doing right, been reading your Bible, been faithful to church. You might even teach a, a class of some sort. I mean, seems like you've been doing well, and all of 
the features of Christianity, and yet it seems like God has hid his face from you. We can understand David. We can understand, uh, listen, uh, uh, Cain, why that God would hide his face from them. But why would God hide his face from somebody doing right? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but I just want to give you three tonight. And I'll be real brief, I promise. I'll be real brief with it, with it tonight. Number one, why would God hide his face from somebody that's doing right? Somebody that's faithful in the house of God. Somebody that don't smoke and somebody that don't chew and spit black on the sidewalk and say, don't step in that cause it's nasty. I ain't never understood that. Spit it out of their mouth and then say, don't step in it cause it's nasty. And uh, But listen, you don't do that. And yet it seems like God hid his face from you. Well, number one, he just simply wants to keep us close to him. God just simply wants us to stay close to him. When we sometimes get so busy in life, and, and, and not just in life, but I'm talking about busy in the work of God. Whenever we get busy and tied up in the work of God, uh, uh, listen, we we sometimes don't see God and we're not as close to God as maybe we ought to be. And God knows that because, you see, we used to talk to him on a regular basis, but now it seems like we've slowed up the conversation with him. Uh, we just, we're just so busy. Uh, and when you go to bed at nighttime, man, you're so wore out and you're so tired, uh, I mean, of doing good. And sometimes you just forget to even pray. And so what God does is sometimes God will hide his face from you just to keep you close to him. Amen? Now, now God, he'll turn his face whenever, whenever, whenever he wants you to stay close to him. He'll turn his face uh, away from you. And, and you'll say, well, hey, Lord, where are you at? Well, the Lord will look back at you and say, I'm not going to tell you for a little while. <laughs> I'm going to just let you uh, uh, stew or stew for a little while tonight. And, uh, and I want to illustrate what I'm saying tonight. Uh, whenever I was a little kid, when I was a little boy, I'd go to the grocery store with, with my mother. And uh, and and man, I like doing that. Man, I'd I'd uh, I'd hang on to the side of that cart, and she'd push it, and you know, put stuff in it. You know, as we'd go down alongside, and and I'd sort of ease away from it a little bit. I'd be looking at something, uh, and I'd get caught up in that. And my mom would say this: "Now, son, stay close to me now. Stay close to me." And I'd get back over to the buggy again, and then we'd go and. She'd be putting some more stuff in and some more stuff in. And, you know, as a little boy, some things would catch my eye. And I'd get over looking at that and looking at that. And my mom would say, all right, son, come on, stay close to me now. You see, she she knew the results if, if I got away from her and somebody kidnapped me. I mean, everybody wanted me. And, uh, and, uh, and so, and so. We went down along again and went down the other lane there, and, and she began to put stuff in again and put stuff in again, and something caught my eye again. And my mom sort of looked at me a little bit, just kept going, kept pushing, and run around the corner, and then come back up the other side. You see, she could see me through that aisle there. She could see me through them, them grocery 
I'm over here listening, God, to what I was doing. And then all of a sudden, I look up, and Mama's gone. And I look over here, and Mama's gone. I look over here, and Mama's gone. And I'm a little boy. And I'm telling you, I let out a war hoot that you could hear from one end of Winn-Dixie to the other. Amen. I mean, I had the manager there. I had bad boys there. I had ladies closing their tight dresses and coming to my rescue. What's the matter? Mama's gone. Mama's gone. Hey, she wasn't gone. She was just on the other side of the aisle. She was watching every move of mine. Are you listening to me? Stay close to me, son. Now, I wasn't doing anything wrong. Are you listening? I mean, listen, I wasn't, I wasn't stealing grapes like I wanted to. I mean, I, I, you know, that little penny piece of candy over there, I could have got me one, but I didn't. And, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a thinking I didn't do nothing wrong. Why in the world did Mama leave me? Tax manager comes up. He says, son, you going to be all right? No, I ain't going to be all right. Mama's gone. But I said it a little bit louder than that. Screaming bloody murder. I'm talking about one of those deathly screams. Mama was just sitting over there looking over. And they announced it. You know, they asked, said, what's your mama's name? I said, Mama. <laughs> Mama, I'd, she'd whoop me if I called her by her first name. And uh, so finally they they uh, they got me, you know, quieted down a little bit. And here comes Mama around the, around the bend. She just come right up beside me, slowed down a little bit, didn't stop, slowed down, said, Son, stay close to me now. You know what? If I ain't mistaken, I crawled underneath that buggy. She wasn't going to leave me again. What you trying to say, preacher? I'm just trying to say that she wanted me to stay close to her. You know, sometimes God will hide himself just so we'll stay close to him. I'm telling you, they, if you're a real Christian, if you're a child of God, been bought by the price, if God ain't with you, if you feel the presence of God ain't with you, I'm telling you, it makes me nervous. I, I, listen, I, I, get, I get nervous whenever God ain't close to me. I, I mean, I like God. I, listen, I like my big brother with me. Amen. I, I need him from time to time. And, uh, and I want him to be close to me. I, I want to be in the position where he's close to me. So what, so what the Lord does uh, is, uh, is uh, he'll do things in our life so that we'll stay close to him. Now, now, I, I look at that and I think about that. You don't have to be sinning for God to turn his face from you. I didn't steal no grapes or candy. I just, I just, uh, I just sort of drifted away from Mama a little bit. And listen, you don't have to be a thief. You don't have to be a whoremonger. You don't listen. You don't have to do bad things, cussing and all that. Listen. Just drift away from God a little bit. I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll draw himself from you just so that you'll stay close to him whenever he wants you uh, to be there. And so uh, we sometimes get so busy doing good things, right things, 
I mean, we get busy teaching in, in church, and we get busy having a good dress code. And I believe a child of God ought to have a good dress code. I'm from the old stock. I, I think, I think if you're a Christian, you ought to look like one. Somebody say Amen right there. I, uh, uh, I may not be able to get to preach next Wednesday night, but. But I'm from the old stock. I, I believe you ought to look what you are. I, I believe a man ought to look like a man. A woman ought to look like a woman. Uh, going on, going on. I'm from the old stock. And sometimes, you know what? We get so busy doing those things, and there's nothing wrong with doing those things, but let's don't let them things Get ahead of God. I'd rather you wear overalls every day of your life, love God, be faithful to Him, than drift away from Him in a tiring suit. Are you with me tonight? Now, now I believe that I believe that we ought to be what we are. I really do. I believe a Christian ought to look like a Christian. I believe you ought to smell like a Christian, act like a Christian. I mean, you know, uh, do things that Christians do. Somebody say amen right there. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting. Uh, listen, I mean, listen, God's put in his word things that, that we ought to be doing and looking and acting and thinking. And I mean, our ways ought to be his ways. And, and, uh, and I know that all of us from, from here back, we're going to forsake God and, and, and you know, we're going to let him down uh, uh, from time to time. But I, I do believe that we ought to do our level best to look like a Christian, smell like a Christian, act like a Christian. And, and sometimes we get so caught up, though, wait a minute, we get so caught up doing that that we begin to forsake God a little bit. Maybe not forsake him, but maybe forgetting would be a better word. We begin to forget God a little bit. And so God says, all right, I'll do, I'll do like my mama does. I'll just step on the other side, and I'll just let you have it for a little while. You think you, think you missed a big shot? You'll see how big you are. And, uh, and sometimes God will do that. Why, preacher? Just to keep us close to him. Why would you not want to be close to him? But you know, all of us, from time to time, we do that. We'll, we'll stray a little bit. God has to bring us in for whatever reason, for ever how he does it. Uh, he does it in different ways, uh, but sometimes he'll just hide his face from you. And I tell you, whenever you pray and it hits the ceiling and comes back, that's a sad feeling, friend. Number two, why does God sometimes hide his face? He wants us to depend more on he wants us to de depend more on him. Illustration. Whenever I was pastoring in Florida, whenever your preacher was little and uh, my other kids were still little, we would go camping out. Well, you see, wintertime down there is like fall up here. We might have two hard, cold days in Florida, and then on a freak year, it may come a three-day freeze or something, but majority of the time, it's just it's just right. It's just cool and just right. And so, uh, in in the winter time, 
when it, when it's just right, our church would take camp out. We would uh, we'd have just boy camp out. Then we'd have family camp out. Mom, dad, the kids, and uh, and we'd go. And sometimes uh, we would go to where nobody else could go. You'd have to have an airboat to get to it. And uh, of course, there I, I guess about everybody in the church there was old country boys, and and uh, and about every one of them had airboats. So it wasn't a matter of not having enough airboats. So we'd get in them things and we'd go out and uh, and and we would uh, and we'd camp out, just have a good time on Friday night, and uh, come back in on Saturday and get ready for Sunday morning. And so and so this particular time, uh, we it was a boys' camp out. Uh, we was going to Okeechobee Lake. Now, off of Okeechobee Lake is a is a is a river. Uh, I call it a canal, but it's I guess it's a pretty good river, Kissimmee River. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. Uh, the Kissimmee River runs right into the Okeechobee Lake. Well, there was an old grade that run right down along Kissimmee River off the main road, and and uh, we would go down that grade until we found a place that was suitable and uh, and have a camp out uh, with our boys. And uh, so now, now preacher, he was, you know, probably seven, eight years old. Joel, he was, he was probably a couple years younger than that, I guess. And so we'd get our rod and reels and our fishing poles and all that, you know, you get when you camp out. And uh, and up up to that point there, uh, listen, when he catch a fish, I'd help him get it in. I'd, you know, I'd I'd hold it the rod or I'd help him reel it or whatever. And uh, I mean, catfish, man, they got some big old uh, uh, channel cat there, and and uh, uh, specks. Well, y'all call them crappie. I call them specks down there, cause they specks. Amen. And uh, and so and so we catch him old big old speck. We catch him big old catfish, and 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 this particular evening, this particular camp out, to me it wasn't no different than any other, but I guess to your preacher it was. He got the rod and reel out, put him a worm on it, threw her out there. Well, sure enough, cork went down, fishing pole bent, and here we go. I run over there and I said, let me help you. No, daddy, no. Kind of looking like, no. I've always helped you with your fish, boy. I want to reel him in. Well, reel him in. Boy, he'd sort of fighting, and I'd think he was going to lose it. I'd grab the rod, pull it back up. No, I want to do it. I want to do it. Y'all with me? And so, and so, so I let him have it, and uh, he fights that fish, and he fights that fish, and the more he'd reel, the more he'd drag out. The more he'd reel, the more he'd drag out. And finally, he looked over at me and said, help me, Daddy, help me. Now, go ahead, son. I came. Well, try it. I wanted to help you a while ago, and you wouldn't let me. So, you own your own, son. And then, you know, I could see those little old crocodile things start coming out. You know how daddies are. You know you feel sorry for him and help him get him in. And uh, but the whole moral of the story is this: uh, he wanted to do it. Now, what did I say a while ago? 
God wants us to depend on him more. That's what I thought he ought to have done was depend on me to help him. I didn't want to take his bid. I wasn't going to get no credit. I just wanted to help him. How many times does God do that with us? God wants to help us. I mean, poor God, God's just dying to help us. No, I'll hold the pole, Lord. I can do it myself, Lord. Somebody say amen right there. I mean, it's just us, Lord. And so, and so, what God does, he says, all right, try to fish yourself, Lord. He'll hide himself from you. You know, when God hides himself, it ain't too bad to start with because we don't really notice him. But then, after a little while, we begin to notice, now, wait a minute. If you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a telephone call or nothing like that. But you know the feeling whenever God's blessing you and God's encouraging you and God's helping you. I mean, you know that kind of feeling. Come to think of it, you've heard from God in a while. And uh, what's the matter, Lord? Well, just do it yourself. Hold the pole yourself, son. I wanted to help you yesterday and the day before, but you didn't want me to. You said you could do it yourself. Y'all been there before? I would say amen. If you're as human as I am, I know I've been there. I'm telling you, and what God will do, he'll hide his face from you until he gets you to where he wants you. Listen, like I got that boy of mine, at the end, he was begging me to hold that rod. I'm going to tell you, if you wait a little bit too long, you will beg God, listen, to help you get that fish in. Amen? Amen. Now, you know, most of us in here tonight, from salvation on, we've asked God to help us in many, many things. When I got saved, I smoked. God helped me quit smoking. Then I went and chewed. Red man. I'm going to be upset when I get to heaven and find out I could be chewing that stuff all that time. <clears throat> but he helped me quit. Boy, I love this man. And whenever I, whenever I got saved, God helped me with my drinking. I didn't, I didn't quit drinking. I just changed fountains. Hallelujah. <laughs> and God helped me with that. Some of you out here, God's helped you with some of those things. He's helped you with your smoking. And uh, they say you can tell if you're from South Carolina. You say, how, preacher? Well, when there's tobacco stains on both sides of the truck. Amen. God helps you stop your fat. God helps you with your nipping. You know, just a little shot here and there. 
and, you know, bugs helped you with all kind of things. But now it seems like time is taking its toll. I mean, you've been saved for a while. And, I mean, you feel like you can, you know, get on a half-dried beanstalk and over hell and shoot the devil in the eye with a little pistol. I mean, you feel that close to God. And everything's hunky-dory now. And, and somehow or another, we just sort of, we just sort of don't let God hold the pole anymore. Well, I can do it. I can, I can quit myself. You know, we've all got bad habits. I mean, you know, some worse than others. But all of us have got a few of those habits that, that we need to work on. And some of them may not be a bad habit if it wasn't a habit. Uh, but anything that takes the place of God is bad. Whether it be a football game or uh, racing. I'm telling you, I like racing. I am a NASCAR fan. Any NASCAR fans in here in a minute? Okay. Y'all remember, y'all remember old Bill Elliott? He was a man. Hey, he drove that Ford. He was a man. Million-dollar man, may I say. They couldn't win it, but Bill Elliott did. Bill Elliott and Dolph Ziggler won it. And that can become a habit. It's amazing that NASCAR racing comes on Sunday, right after church. Sometimes we can't go somewhere or do something with somebody because NASCAR's going on. You see where I'm going? Now, when I first got saved, I could care less about NASCAR. I just wanted God. But now, but now, you know, Bill, he's retired. Old Casey Kane took his ride. So I become a Casey Kane fan. I'm fixing to change, folks. I like to be a winner, amen. I don't like to be a loser. Every year I say, man, this is his year. He's gonna come on strong. He's gonna be another Bill. Man, he missed this championship thing. You know, this Nessa King race, he missed it. I you know, I I better get off now. Alabama. You got any Alabama fans? Oh, don't get on Alabama. But you know what? That can become a habit too. You know, I like football. And and I say that I'm an Auburn fan. I'm really not. I'm a Gator fan because I'm from I'm from Florida and I ain't never to trade. And so, hate me if you want to. But I, I'm, a, I'm an Auburn fan for this reason. Whenever Brother Bruce and Brother Donnie and two others, I don't remember who else was with him, when I first moved up there 13 years ago, they uh, paid my way to an iron bowl. I didn't know what an iron bowl was. I thought they were going to go in there and fight with iron or something. I didn't know. I just moved up here. And uh, they said, iron bowl, that's where Auburn plays Alabama. 
Boy, you talking about a battle. That's the battle of the battles right there. I said, is that right? I said, who are y'all for? Oh, we from Alabama. We Alabama fans. Okay. So, old Mr. Smith, I go down to the sports place and I buy me an Auburn cap. I buy me an Auburn shirt. I mean, I was decked out in Auburn. I just like aggravating people, amen? And needless to say, I almost was left. They didn't want me in the truck with them wearing that stuff. And I said, all right, I'll play your game. If Alabama wins, I'll ride in the back all the way home. But if Auburn wins, y'all ride in the back all the way home. All right, we'll do that. They have faith in their game, I tell you. Well, <laughs> that was the year that Auburn started winning. You follow what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, and uh, and so I told them we got to the truck, and, and I said, uh, guess who's riding in the back? <laughs> Brother Bruce looked at me and said, guess whose truck this is? <laughs> people will just say, I'll make my own decision. But you know, God makes the decisions. You know, his decisions are always right. Always. I said always, always, always right. Though it looks like, though it looks like, you know, we're through with it, he knows what he's doing. Sure he does. Oh, Joe, about give it up, man. I mean, he's he about give it up. Roy, why aren't you hiding your face from us? He about give it up. But you see, God was just showing the devil he did have somebody to follow him, and money didn't have nothing to do with it. You know, that's what the devil said. Well, you take all his goods away from him, and he ain't going to follow you. Well, I guess God showed him who was boss, didn't he? And you know, it might be just the reason why that God's hiding his face from you, not to hurt you not to bring no harm to you, but just so that that you can get closer to him and just the fact that he wants to help you. Do you know what that done to my heart and myself when I was able to help my boy get that future? Today, today, whenever he, not today, but, you know, time goes, whenever that boy of mine asked me, say, Dad, you want to go fishing? Man, that tickles me to death. Man, that boy's wanting to do something for me. I want to do something for him. Are y'all following me? I mean, boy, what it does to his daddy just to know that his son wants him to go with him and go fishing with him or hunting with him or, or whatever or just, or just go spend some of his money. I like that. I mean, boy, that tickles me to death. And you know God's the same way. I mean, whenever whenever you get a problem, don't try to fix it yourself. Call on him. Boy, it tickles God to death to want to help you. God's saying, call on me, call on me. You see, God knows your heart. He knows every hair in your head. 
He knows everything about you. He knows if you can do it or not. But he's just sitting there waiting on you to say, Lord, will you help me? Like that boat that was underneath my car. And I, I, I know, I know, I know I looked everywhere for that thing. I mean, you know, when you're old poor boy, you do all the work yourself, and you try to do the mechanic work and all that yourself, and and uh, and I was putting it all back together, and I was missing one nut, one nut I was missing, and I looked under there, I looked everywhere, I looked behind the wheels, uh, I mean, I crawled out from under the car, I looked everywhere, and by then I was getting, well, you know, I couldn't find it, and so my wife comes out and says. Honey, won't you just come in and drink a glass of tea and settle down a little bit and cool off a little bit, and uh, we'll pray. And and uh, I done prayed. I ain't done no such a thing, you know. Like them women always knows the right thing. And so I went in, and drunk me a glass of tea, settled down a little bit, and I wasn't gonna let. I, you know the Bible. You know the Bible says, uh, uh, "Look and pray." Well, I didn't shut my eyes. I didn't want her to know I was praying. I done told her I was praying, and I'm sitting there, oh, dear God, you know, I need that nut. If I don't, I'm going to have to just climb up down just for one little old nut. I need that nut, Lord. And uh, I went back outside. God is my witness. I'm in the pulpit. God is my witness. I went back up under the car, and laying right there was that nut. I don't know how it got there. I don't know if God just made one and put it there. But I didn't care at the time. It was there. All I know is I asked him, and he delivered. Say amen right there. And that's all he wants is to help us like I want to help my son. Are you listening to me tonight? Why does God hide his face? Because he wants you to get a little closer to him. And listen, not just that, but he wants you to depend on him more. And let me let me give you another illustration. This man was up eight stories tall, working, partner work, plumber, something, leaning over the side and fell. On the way down, the eight stories, he began to pray, Lord God, help me. This is going to be a sad stopping if you don't help me. Well, his trousers got caught on a piece of piece of metal that was sticking out and the man said never mind God I don't need you now sometimes we do that God will help us God will answer us and then we forget all about it did you know that he wants to help you the next time and the next time and the next time just to be honest with you he just likes hearing from you let me share this with you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna close. Number three. Why does God hide His face? Because He wants to keep you closer to Him. Simply because He wants us to depend on Him more. Now, last of all, He wants to make His face real to you. Illustration. I'm an illustration man. Whenever I was pastoring, I'd, 
I was I was like my son. I, I preached revivals, and uh, and there was nothing sweeter than to be gone from my wife and then get back. Say amen right there, man. I'd be gone for a week or two, and uh, I'm gonna just confess, man. I love my wife. She ain't around. I miss her, buddy. I tell you what. Ain't nobody there to say, you make me glad to see you. Where's that channel changer at, Mom? No, I really love her. I, I really do. And I, I'm gone all week, two weeks or whatever. I remember when we went to uh, Guadalajara back whenever they was having them battles over there, fighting with one another and all. The missionary that we supported, uh, he was over there and uh, for, I guess, 15 years, and he'd come back and wanted me to go back with him. And I said, sure, I'd be glad to go. And uh, I was gone for three or four weeks, and uh, whenever, whenever that plane landed, my wife was standing there when I was walking up. Man, I put a bear hug on her. I mean, I missed her, buddy. I mean, I I, I, I I, really missed her. I wanted her to know I missed her. Man, I was kissing her. I was smooching her. Why are you looking at me like that, Billy? You know you do the same thing. Yeah, don't you? Sure. I, I mean, I missed her. And, and I tell you, never sweeter than when there's a separation and they're coming back together. What? What? He says here in verse number 7, for a small moment have I forsaken thee. I've been gone for a matter of weeks, but with great mercies will I gather thee. That's God. God will separate himself and he'll bring us back together. Now, now, God simply will do this. He'll separate himself from us, not because he's mad at us. Not necessarily because you've got sin in your life. It might be, but you know it if it is. But it don't have to be. He will separate himself from you just to make it sweeter when you come back together. Just like my wife and I, when we come back together, oh, man, you talk, man, I carried her out for a dinner at this world. I mean, that's when they come out with them double whoppers, amen? I love to cook, and man, how sweet it was when we was able to come back together. And that's the way God is with you, you know, he He'll separate himself from you sometimes just so it's sweet when you come back together. Because sometimes, you know, we drift a little bit, and, and the sweetness just ain't there. It's like, it's like when you're around your wife all the time. Now, be careful, folks. It ain't like when you come back from two weeks gone. Amen. Uh, you know, you're just used to one another. And, Growl like.
like a griller at one another. Boy, when you drift apart and come back together, oh, it's sweet. So, so tonight I want to say to you, God will hide his face from you, but it's for your own good. He'll do it just to keep you close to him. He'll do it because he wants to help you. He'll do it because he just wants to be sweet to you again. Remember when I first got saved, man, they wasn't nothing like this boy. Man, I wanted to do everything. I told y'all a week or two ago when I got saved, I went to a women's auxiliary thing. I didn't know, man. I was wild, crazy, drinking and all that. I, I didn't know nothing about church. And, and they said that they said that uh, they was, you know, was talking about the women and all and said that they was going to have a meeting at 6 o'clock before the 7 o'clock service. I showed up at 6 o'clock. I wanted in on it. If it had anything to do with church, I wanted in on it. They wouldn't let me in, amen. It was women only. I, but but I was sweet on the Lord, is what I'm trying to say. I loved the Lord. I was sweet on the Lord. And then sometimes, you know, we'll drift a little bit, and you just don't seem as sweet. And when he hides his face from us a little while, and we come back together, boy, that sweetness is real good. You say amen on that? I want every head bowed real quick, every head bowed. No one looking around. I want our ladies and men that work these altars to come up. I'm not going to have an altar call, but but you might be one that maybe that maybe the Lord's hid his face from you. And, man, you've been lonely in here for a while because, because you ain't had that fellowship with God. I want to say tonight, why don't you come and make that peace with him tonight. He loves you tonight. He cares for you tonight. He may be hiding his face, but he's doing it to help you. He's doing it because he loves you. I wonder if there'd be one that would slip out right now and make their way to this altar. We've got time. Just slip out and come to this altar. They'll help you pray or you pray on your own. Thank God for these who want to. They're like the Lord. They want to help you. They want to pray with you. There'd be another one. Thank God for these who've come. What about it tonight? God's hid his face from you. You just want to come and just sort of make it right. And you want that sweetness back again. You hear lost tonight without God. I said a while ago that God hides his face from those in hell. I know you don't want to go there. Everybody in here may be saved. I don't know, but if there's just one, you need to come. You need to come. I'll pray with you. I'll show you scripture in the Bible if that's what you want. I love you tonight. I care for you. I want you to be in heaven with me when that time comes. Heavenly Father, tonight I thank you for your word. I know, Lord, it may have been scattered a little bit. But, dear Lord, I pray that you'd take it and bring it together and mold it and make it worthy. Father, touch every heart here tonight. And if there is that one, Lord, that didn't come that needs to come, I pray you'd convince them to come, make their way this way. That one that might be lost, oh, God, what a blessing it would be to see them get saved tonight. Escape that place called hell. Gain that place called heaven. 
all the beauties that we have here on earth till we get there. Father, have your way. I'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. I'm going to turn it over to the man. We're going to kind of keep this same spirit right now. Obviously, if anybody needs to come talk to one of these altar workers, they can. Um, and what we've been doing over the, on Sundays and Wednesdays is we have been allowing um, the fellow church members to come and share testimonies about how um, God just worked in faith and action and hopefully to encourage you as, as we get closer and closer to making our commitment for beginning a miracle. So I just want to invite um, Barry Martin um, to come up real quick and, uh, and to just share a little bit about what God did um, with him through faith and action and then also um, just to encourage us today. Go ahead. That was kind of hard to follow, that act, uh, that preaching. That was awesome. This is my wife, Melinda. Um, just wanted to talk a little bit about regarding tithing. Um, Melinda and I have been in the business for years and years, and uh, we finally quit feeding the well uh, just several years ago, and we have just seen so many blessings. I mean, we've, we've had opportunities to witness and talk to people that, that we have never had before, and we're so grateful for that. And, uh, you know, as far as uh, faith goes, I've, uh, I'm self-righteous. I'm on 100% commission. I've got a wife and three daughters. And uh, they, um, uh, Melinda, she's a stay-at-home mom. She's digging portions for her to be able to stay there. And uh, there's, been some, there's been some months where the sales haven't been there. And I thought, oh, God, you know, what are we going to do? At one time, we had three girls in college that weren't paying. And when you're not guaranteed a salary, you don't have uh, anything coming in, you're wondering how we're going to live. And our, our strength and, and faith in God and knowing that he was going to take care of us, it's our faith is higher now than it's ever been. And the reason Melinda came up, we're in it together. It's not just one of us. It's both of us. Looks like she's leading us in prayer. Go ahead. I prayed about what verses to bring to you tonight, what God would want you to hear. And I had my verses picked out, and he said, uh, no, I want you to read some Proverbs. And everywhere I look, this is the verse, these are the verses that came up, so... We need to hear them. In Proverbs chapter 3, chapter uh, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And then you go on down, it says, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. And I thought, you know, one great way to honor him and to acknowledge him is to give to him. And to let him know that that money's never ours in the first place. He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And our family's testimony to that, that when you give to him, he'll always outgive you. Thank you for letting us share it. And we're, we're privileged to be able to share it. Thank you for the Martin family. Um, we'll pray one more time again if you need to talk to anybody on the altar team um, about anything. Uh, salvation anything, they would love to be an encouragement to you tonight. So, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for uh, the word of God that we heard tonight. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for the, the Martin family and for so many people at Temple Baptist Church that are faithful in giving. And, Lord, the fact that you've been faithful to us to show yourself evident and help grow our faith in those things. Lord, we just love you. We thank you. We pray, Lord God, that um, the things that we hear tonight, Lord God, we didn't, wouldn't just take them as, as, as words, but, Lord, that we take them that they'd be words that we can go out and make a difference in this world, Lord God. Bring us back Sunday excited and ready to worship you. We pray all these things in your wonderful name. Amen.